going to state this in advance. This episode will not be about excusing the performance of Eric Carlson. It will be about the lack of left-handed defensemen in this organization still. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. In the American Hockey League last night, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins lost 4-1 to to the Toronto Marlies. And within that game, John Ludwig returned, which is the only thing you really need to know about that game. Ludwig returned to action for the first time in a month. He's been out with fill-in-the-blank because the Penguins have never actually announced his injury, even though he's on LTIR, which is a new low for this sort of injury reporting, even within the NHL scope. But he's back, and he's playing, and he's way more important than he should be to this overall picture. If Ludwig is playing the way management and the coaching staff believes that he can, and if he stays consistently in the lineup, and I don't mean that as a shot, because he's had two very short stints with this team, each one ended abruptly by getting hurt, then the entire makeup of this defensive core looks and feels very different. Because if he actually can slot in behind Marcus Pedersen, if he can pair up with Carlson and allow Carlson to do his thing without having it burn the team when he does, if he allows Carlson some time, some leeway to settle a little bit, if he allows the team to breathe a bit more easily because he's the physical guy, because he's the guy who's going to take care of some business, then you've got something. Because now you're taking Ryan Graves and you're bumping him down to the third pairing. You're taking P.O. Joseph and you're putting him either into the press box or on waivers or wherever. And you're making sure that your Ryan Shea types never see the light of the day in the NHL. You get the idea. Everything just kind of bumps down. It's kind of like after you make a good trade. There's a spot you might have been missing. There's other points of that same depth chart for that same position that are lacking. But you bring somebody in and all of a sudden everything just goes right where you'd want it to. And I don't want to pump up. Ludwig, I, I don't want to make him sound as if he's, you know, even anywhere near Pedersen. He isn't. Pedersen has turned himself into a very, very nice top pairing defenseman in this league. To his inestimable credit, this is a really, really wiry dude who plays as physically as you humanly can for such a wiry dude and does a lot more, as we saw from that big snipe the other night. What he can't do is represent your entire left side depth chart, and that's what he's doing at the moment, and that's not okay. I do get that the Penguins' hands, and specifically Kyle Dubas's hands, are tied by the salary cap and by other issues related to the roster. We all understood that heading into the season. Nobody really seemed to have much of a problem with it beforehand. I didn't have much of a problem with it beforehand. Part of the reason for that, a big part of the reason, 
was that I trusted that Graves wouldn't be some kind of epic bust. Because when you put that much money into one player, and I'll remind, even if it doesn't go down well with your morning coffee, that it was six years and $27 million. Want to hear it again? Six years and $27 million. And in the first year of that term, what should be the peak of his career, certainly the prime of his physical life, yeah, that's scary stuff. That could make the Jack Johnson situation look like nothing. Now, I don't mean to, you know, crush this kid. He's a good kid. He's trying hard. This isn't somebody who just signed a contract and got metaphorically fat off it. He's he's working. He's giving his best. But that's even scarier in some ways, because if this is his best, then this team's going to be carrying him as a third-pairing defenseman for a long, long time to come. And in the moment, they're doing so without a second-pairing defenseman to even take his place. And that's where Ludwig comes in. I think Ludwig can do that. I do. I also think that Dubas still needs to find a way, principally, possibly through the trade market, to address this. If the team fares well, coming out of this break, beginning next Tuesday against Winnipeg, if the team shows, hey, we're not only going to end up in the playoffs, but we're going to do so with a renewed sense of identity, commitment to that identity, and momentum to suggest that maybe there's still more to come or even a higher level that they can hit. I know, I know, I know. I'm not making a prediction here. This is this is a, a scenario I'm laying out. If that happens, then this has to be Dubas's number one, possibly his only priority. If that means a pure hockey trade, if that means sending a goaltender out to teams that are desperate for them, if that means a salary for salary trade, whatever it is, you have to give Mike Sullivan an option at left defense that isn't P.O. Joseph, that isn't Ryan Shea, and when it comes to that slot, that isn't Ryan Graves. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Sean. It's in response to yesterday's daily shot of Penguins that was about the possibility for a soft rebuild or a partial rebuild, however it is that you'd want to term that. Sean says, DK, they did something like that, similar to what you're talking about, after the 1994-95 season, trading Larry Murphy, Ulf Samuelson, Kevin Stevens, Sean McEachern, Luke Robitaille, for draft picks, Brian Smolinski, Glenn Murray, Sergei Zubov, Dmitry Maranov. They didn't all work perfectly, but those moves helped springboard them back to the conference finals. I would prefer moves in this vein to trading players for a slew of draft picks. Trading players for draft picks won't work here. 
That's the one type of trade that I think you can rule out no matter what happens to the Penguins. If they get just just creamed coming out of this break and they're out of the race like that, you're not going to see them push some big plunger and tell Sidney Crosby, hey, these draft picks, they're going to be great when you're 44. You're going to love these guys. You can't even do that with a Braden Yeager. As bright as that kid is and as promising as he is and as much as he looks at times, including in development camp and training camp, like he's ready to just show up and start scoring for you the next day. He isn't. He isn't. He isn't physically, let alone in terms of everything that you'd need from the hockey standpoint. These things take a long time. This will not happen unless you see the Penguins give up on having Crosby here, which also will not happen. So what will? I don't know that it's quite like 95, 96. A lot of these individuals that you mentioned were traded for different reasons. It's not like it was part of some master plan to bring in guys who were a couple years younger than the guys who were leaving, which is kind of how it turned out. I think it was more about just giving the Penguins a different look. That was Craig Patrick's mindset at the time. He wanted to see some different faces involved. Uh, that's kind of old school GMing, but he's the one who's in the Hall of Fame and we're not. And like you said, it did work. They made it in 96 within, oh, one goal of making it back to the Stanley Cup final. I don't think that's the sort of thing that you'd see here. I think it would be more along the lines of if you looked at the trade that was made yesterday between Vancouver and Calgary where Elias Lindholm goes to Vancouver and Calgary ended up getting back some younger pieces, guys who aren't necessarily ready to contribute to the kind of run that Jim Rutherford always wants to have at his doorstep, like like that. But the Flames also gave themselves multiple options, multiple ways in which they could get better, younger, faster, in something of a hurry. That's way more in line with what I could see happening here. Now, who would those players be? I've thrown names out. But the problem with throwing names out, and not to make this show seem more important than it is, but if you do that, people think you're starting a rumor, and I don't know, they're starting to talk about Brian Rust, and Ricard Raquel heard that on a podcast this morning, and no, okay, I haven't heard a single name associated with the Pittsburgh Penguins in a long time in terms of trade discussion, and in fact, Kyle Dubas said on a team show a week ago, meaning team-regulated, team-paid interviewer, that there's been not one discussion regarding Gensel. And if you think he's lying, well, he's not, because then he'd be lying in front of the whole league, and there would be people who would know. And if another team was involved in something like that, it would get out from that end. So there actually legitimately hasn't been. I believe that. But if it reaches that point... That's the type of thing that would make the most sense. It would be more of a, a reload, but of younger guys than the ones that you described in that 95-96 scenario. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we will do another one of these tomorrow.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.